About a block west of downtown Naperville is a beautiful park known as the Naper Homestead. Friends, it's an outdoor, self-guided museum at the exact location of the original log cabin of the founder of Naperville. His name was Joseph Naper. He's got quite a story. Imagine this. It was back in 1831, 190 years ago that Joe Naper and his wife and his seven children had a dream of establishing a new home west in the wild frontier. So they left Ohio, they marched on foot to this location. You know, they found this beautiful spot on the west branch of the DuPage River, and they said, let's do it. Let's claim it as our own and make it our home. But there's more than that. Joe Naper actually had the vision for starting a city. In fact, he was a surveyor and he got to planning roads. He surveyed the roads, he mapped the roads, he named the roads. What a guy. This man really with ambition and vision founded the city of Naperville. And yet ironically, Joseph Naper had no statue until just eight years ago. Some people in the town were like, you know, we got so many sculptures, 42 to be exact, and not one of them celebrating our founder? That should not be. And so some passionate folks went about changing that. And believe it or not, they spent a million dollars buying this homestead and then commissioning historians and archaeologists. They actually did two summers. They held excavations of his original homestead here. They wanted to discover all they could about Joe Naper and then describe him through the plaques and the information here at this site. Discover and describe. That's really the goal of a historian. Learn what you can and then tell others. And wouldn't you know, that's our calling as well. Did you know that? We too need to discover and describe, not, not about Joe Naper, but about God. What do you think? Well, let's start with what do you think about this site? Million dollars for people to know about Joseph Naper? Was that what money well spent? I can imagine a lot would say, no, who cares about Joe Naper? Others would say, no, 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 this guy is inspiring, compelling, People need to know and not forget. Well, I don't really care what you think of Joe Naper, but I do care what you think about God. And friends, the truth is that the discovery of what God is like and the describing him to others is as important as it gets. And God knows this. 
People in the biblical text know this, and that's why a monument was built. Many monuments, to be exact. Not bronze statues, but standing stones. Friends, standing stones, that's the series we're in right now, marking our defining moments. Israel had these moments, and so do we. These are moments that change us forever. We'll never be the same again. Remember the first? The first was encounter. When people encounter the presence, the nearness, the voice, the love of God, (laughs) they're never the same. Last week, salvation. Getting right with God through Christ, friends, it's a game changer. And this week, epiphany. An epiphany is when you discover something, when you suddenly come to learn and understand or see something. And today, we're talking about discovering God's greatness. This epiphany is so important for all of us. So, let's turn to the text, shall we? The standing stone, actually 12 of them, are originally mentioned here in Joshua 4, verse 20. Joshua set up the 12 stones. When I say set up, that means they they stood up, standing stones. Set up the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan River. How, How did they get stones out of the Jordan? Well, let's read the next verse and find out. Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, Dad, what what do these stones mean? Tell them this. The Lord did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us. Friends, both the Jordan River and the Red Sea were sites of incredible miracles where God allowed his people to cross over by creating a dry path through the body of water. The the one that they were reading about that just took place was the stopping up of the Jordan River. The next verse says this, the Lord did this, this miracle, so that everyone might know that he is powerful. God wanted to give an epiphany. He wanted people to know what he's like. One of the most important things in life is discovering what God is like. And God said, I did the miracle and I want the stones, standing stones, so that people will know what I am like. Now, join with me just for a moment going back to verse 21, because there's actually three generations of people the Lord refers to. It says, in the future, when your descendants, let's highlight descendants, Ask dad, what do the stones mean? Tell them what the Lord did to the Jordan River. There was the generation that crossed over the Jordan. And he also did to the Red Sea. There was the generation that crossed the Red Sea. These are three different generations. The Red Sea folks were coming out of Egypt. God parted the sea miraculously, revealed his power and glory in the event. And the folks went through. Now, in the days of Joshua, that generation has largely died off. It's a new generation of of people who haven't experienced God's power themselves. So God does a repeat miracle, this time with the Jordan River, stops it up so that the new generation can know about him. But then he says, hey, put up standing stones so that the descendants, the future people who didn't experience themselves the crossing of the Jordan, they too may ask, what's the monument the stone's all about? And the story can be told anew of God's revealed power. 
friends, do you see the importance of discovering the power, the greatness of God, and describing it to other generations? Here we are on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, fathers. But the challenge to fathers here is that one of your greatest callings is to discover and describe the nature of God. Friends, you'll notice here I have a specimen of wet shoes. What we're about to find out is that our God is a God of the wet shoes. You know, when I was a kid, I had a creek nearby our house, and there was this log going across the creek, and I was forever trying to balance, you know, balance beam across the creek on, on this log. And it sounds courageous, but I was more clumsy than I was courageous, and I fell way too many times. And I remember ending up standing in the creek, and my shoes were wet. I remember the feeling of walking home, squish, squash, you know, the, the feeling of wet shoes to me was a reminder of failure. But in our text today, wet shoes are a picture of success, a picture of doing life the way God intends. Shall we find out what we're talking about here? We're going back to Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 now, and if you recall, we've seen that these standing stones were put up on the shores of the Jordan River because something monumental happened. Let's find out what it is. It says, Joshua and all the Israelites went to the Jordan, that's the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing over. Friends, this is huge. I know glancing at that verse doesn't look huge, but it is. The plans to cross over the Jordan River is an event that's been talked about for 40 years. The Israelites came out of Egypt, they escaped from their slavery, and they have wandered in the desert under the leadership of Moses for 40 years. They've grown quite accustomed to being homeless vagabonds who live in tents and go from one site caring for their sheep to another campsite, to another campsite. And what seems odd to us had become normal to them. But the dream was always there. The dream of someday crossing from the east side of the Jordan River over it into the west side, which is crossing into the promised land. And one day they believed God was going to help this group of, again, homeless vagabonds become founding fathers of one of the greatest nations in world history. They dreamed of it, but the dream seemed so far off until this day. The great leader Moses has died. A new young generation of people under the leadership of Joshua here that the time has come. So they're on the shores of the Jordan River. They camp for three days, looking over the river at the promised land, looking at the river and realizing a problem lies between them and that land. This river, though normally not huge, at this moment, we find out from the text, was at flood stage, wider, deeper, rougher, raging river. And it, it posed quite a barrier to them getting to their desired destination. What are they going to do? Well, let's find out. Next verse, verse 2. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the priests carrying it, 
You are to move out and follow it. Follow the ark. Friends, this is a beautiful picture of the leadership of God. The Ark of the Covenant, more than any other physical implement, symbolized God. The Ark was just a box. You've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, haven't you? The stone tablets with the Ten Commandments were in there. The, the top was this beautiful gold cover with ornate cherubim or angels. And above the, the cover is where God would sometimes manifest himself visibly in a ball of fire and smoke. It was the throne of God. And the vision that Joshua and the leaders had was, we're going to carry that before us. We'll be like a marching parade and let's have God lead us. Let's have the ark at the front and God will show us the way. And sure enough, God had a plan. Reading verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, here's God giving Joshua the plan. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan, so apparently they're to march right down to the banks of the Jordan, keep walking into the river. Friends, this is where the wet shoes come in. God's plan was that these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant would just keep marching toward the river until they reached the shores and keep marching right into the river till your shoes are wet. Now, that's not the plan that they would have anticipated. They had all heard the stories of God parting the Red Sea. And in that occurrence 40 years earlier, God had Moses raise his staff and the Lord parted the river, the Red Sea before them, making the dry path evident before they ever had to march. I think that's what they probably anticipated. Come on, God, do what you did with Moses and the Red Sea. Part the river, stop the river from flowing, make our path on dry ground obvious, and then we march. God's like, yeah, no, I've come up with a better plan. You just start marching into the water and trust that I'll show up with the expected miracle. Isn't that interesting? Friends, this is what God is like. You know, these instructions give us a window into the very nature and heart of God. Remember, we're all about discovering what God is like and describing him to the next generation. Well, one of the things we find about God here is that he is a thrill seeker. Friends, God loves his people in wet shoes. God loves his people hearing his guidance and marching in faith in the direction of obedience, not sure how this is going to turn out. I mean, I know we would love, we're like, hey, I'll walk through a dry path. You just make the way and I'll walk. And God says, yeah, we could do it that way. But more often than not, the Lord loves his people to demonstrate trust in him by marching forward, even though the way and how it's all going to work out is largely unknown. I remember when my wife and I felt God leading us to adopt my son, Jake. Jake was born prematurely. He had a very scary, oxygen-deprived, premature birth. And as a result, the doctors didn't know if brain damage had resulted. And we had a doctor warn us, he may never walk. I just got to tell you, are you sure you want to go through with this adoption? 
And Jen and I were like, we'll get back to you. And we turned to God in prayer and felt him unmistakably say, yes, walk through, go forward with this adoption. And I wanted to say, Lord, tell us that he's physically going to be able and everything will be all right. And God's like, I ain't going to tell you that. Go forward and trust me. And our son has brought us so much joy, and I am so immensely grateful from this end that we trusted him and went through with that decision. But boy, was there a lot of faith on the front end. This is how God rolls. You know, so often God is calling us out of our comfort zone on the east bank of the Jordan and to step into that water, following him towards the promised land. But it's scary. You know, who, who's comfortable marching into a raging river? Nobody. That was what God was trying to convey. Let me give you some examples that you may find apply to you. I think of our four priorities, these four essentials to experience promised land growth. What's the first? Pursue him daily. Some of you are like, I'm not a Bible study person. I'm not really big on prayer. Setting aside time every day for Bible reading and prayer. I'm not the type who's comfortable with that. March anyways. I think of those who are looking at connect in groups. This important decision to get into a small group. I know some are like, ah, that sounds terrifying. You know, group people scare me. Strangers scare me. Getting into a group where I don't know anybody and we're going to share about our lives. Ay, ay, ay. March anyway. Trust the Lord is in it. Or uh, serve in teams. Friends, I know that's so scary. Serving at church, you're like, who am I? I'm not capable of that. Uh, I see people all the time stepping up and saying, all right, children's ministry, here goes nothing. Teen ministry, here goes nothing. Music ministry, here goes nothing. Uh, Guest services, that's such a bold move. But if God is leading you, March into the river. Do you know how it's going to turn out? No. Obey anyways. Get wet shoes. Do you, I just got to ask you, do you have wet shoes or do you have dry shoes? You know, dry shoes Christians are those who may hear the voice of God nudging them, but la, 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 la. Get that out of my head. They want to stay on the east bank of the Jordan River. It may be, you know, homeless vagabond spiritually, but at least it's comfortable. It's what they know. Following him on the adventure, marching into that water is terrifying at times. March anyway. God is a thrill seeker. He loves leading us on these scary and meaningful adventures. Let's move on, shall we? What are the priests going to do? Well, let's find out. Verse 14. The people broke camp to cross the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. This is that sacred procession God has commanded with the ark leading the way and the people all following the ark toward the bank of the river. Verse 15. The priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan. And as soon as their feet touched the water, what shoes? The river from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. What a miracle. Now, again, this physically looks differently than the parting of the Red Sea. 
apparently a great distance away. They couldn't see it. But at that moment, the, the priest's feet touched the water. The water up there was blocked like a dam. It, it piled up in a miraculous heap. Now, what would that have been like to the priest? Does that mean all of a sudden the water vanishes? No. They get into the water and they start getting a little deeper and they're noticing the level's going down. It's going down more. It's going down. And they just kept walking until it was dry. And they were standing on dry ground, a river bed. And the people of God were ready to cross over by God's great miracle. This is another observation about God. I've already said that he was a, he's a thrill seeker. And now I'll add, he's a way maker. This story of the wet shoes, you know, as they get into the river, God shows up and he makes a way and he deals with their obstacle, their difficulty, and he provides a way. God loves being a way maker for faith-filled people. Let's see what happens next. Verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, they stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood there on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. What an interesting moment. They stop and the people pass by the ark. You know, folks weren't allowed to get near the Ark of the Covenant very often at all. I'm guessing this was the closest they had ever been to the Ark of the Covenant. Isn't that beautiful? The closest they had ever been to this box that symbolizes God's presence. So I think we can say the closest they've ever been to the presence of God was in the midst of their faith-filled, miraculous obedience in crossing the Jordan. They're like, I can't believe we're walking in a miracle and there's God right there. Friends, what does this say? It says that God wants to be there with us in the midst of our faith-filled obedience. Maybe we could say it this way. God is a company keeper. He keeps company with us. He's a thrill seeker. He's a way maker. And he's a company keeper. He says, I won't let you go through this trial alone. I may call you into scary acts of obedience, but I'll be with you. I would never leave you or forsake you. We'll do it together. Remember uh, going through haunted houses as a little kid, scared to death. But if my dad was with me, if I was holding his hand, it made all the difference. So it is with God. He would never ask us to go through that alone. He's by our side. You know, this all reminds me of a simple verse in Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2. God said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Isn't that a great verse that parallels what we're reading? In fact, uh, all three things are there. (laughs) When you pass through the waters. It's not if. God says, if you follow me, I'm a thrill seeker, and I'll make sure you pass through rough waters. So when, that shows God's thrill-seeking nature. When you pass through, that that means you're going to make it. The waters will not overcome you because God is a way maker. You'll pass through because he'll make sure there's a way for you to get through. And the promise, I will be with you. There's God, the company keeper. Again, God says, I won't let you go through it alone. I'll be with you all the way. Oh, friends, 
the nature of God, the wet shoe nature of God, that he's a thrill seeker, leads his people into the waters, even though they don't know the way. But he eventually is a way maker for those who courageously obey him. And he is a company keeper, if you will. His shoes are wet because he joins us in the river. Let's continue on, shall we? And moving now to the next chapter, Joshua 4, starting in verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan. So the people have finished crossing over. The priests are still in the middle. They're holding the ark in place. And these twelve guys run out and they're like, oh, We're looking for rocks. Joshua's got us on a rock standing stone, monument-making task here. And they find the stones and they lug them out of that place of God's miracle. And then they set up those stones, as we've already read about. But let me read verse 17. Joshua then commanded the priests, All right, guys, come up out of the Jordan. And they came out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And no sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan ran at flood stage as before. Just a grand finale to this miraculous day. They take the ark out, they hit dry ground, whoosh! The waters are flowing again in the mighty Jordan River. Oh, what a story. What a picture of what God is like. May we tell what we've discovered about God. May we describe what we've discovered so that people will live the great adventure God has for them. I spoke with a young lady this week who grew up, uh, her teenage years at least, at our church. And with both friends and people from church teaching her what God is like, that he's a wet shoes kind of God. He's a thrill seeker and a way maker and a company keeper. She knows this about God, and this week she made a decision. She goes, I'm going to lead a teenage small group. Can you imagine that? She's never done this in her life, and I could see the fear in her eyes. You know, She's like, teenagers scare me. But I sense God's call. It's what he's like. I can trust him. Let's do this thing. So proud of her and so proud of you. As you refuse to live a dry shoe comfort zone life. And as you say, lead on God, let's do this thing. He's going to use you. He's going to grow you. He's going to make your life beautiful in wet shoes. Let's pray, shall we? God, we thank you for revealing your nature to the people on that day and to us as well. This monument of what you did at the Jordan River. It's beautiful. It's our story. God, give us faith. Give us courage. Help us hear your voice and march out of our comfort zone into the promised land. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.